Hi folks, this is episode 70 where I had an, a thoughtful chat with Michael Angelo Datu, a physical therapist working in a skilled nursing facility. In this episode, we talked about what a typical day is like in a skilled nursing facility, changes uh, they experience because of PDPM and COVID-19 challenges and memorable experiences in his practice. Also, he shared valuable lessons he learned from his mentors and throughout his career. Let's take a listen. All right, and you're back to another episode of PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast, your weekly serving of insights, information, and inspiration from the experience and expertise of Filipino physical therapists. I am Johan De La Paz, your host. Let's go on with the show. So today, uh, I have as guest uh, Michael Datu, a physical therapy uh, PT supervisor uh, in an orthopedic geriatric skilled nursing facility. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He is also an American Physical Therapist Association certified clinical instructor and a proud Angelian. So in this episode, we are going to talk about physical therapy in a skilled nursing facility, what it looks like, uh, its in and outs, and, and how different it is in um, or from other settings. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Johan. I am very excited uh, to be here. I'm very humbled as well. Thank you for sending um, an invitation to be your guest speaker. I am very humbled to be here. Thank you. I'm glad for, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And thanks. let's thank uh, RV <laughs> for introducing us. And I'm excited for our conversation. We, did, we have, you know, our, a tiny conversation before our recording. And that is already inspiring. So, but before we dive into our topic and our conversation... Could you give us a little background on how you started as a physical therapist and what's your role now? Absolutely. So um, when I went into college uh, in the university, I went to the Philippines. Very proud, very proud to have graduated from there. Prior to that, I did all of my schooling in California. That's why I like to say I'm a proud Angelian because I'm from Los Angeles, but I'm also from Angeles City, Pampanga. And I feel like I have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that. Um, I had aspirations to be con- to go into medicine at that time. And I asked them what was the hardest pre-med. And they said PT was the hardest pre-med. I don't know how others feel about that, but I thought PT was very hard. Um, they said uh, because the anatomy, physio, uh, we do a lot of differential diagnosis. It kind of very well fits into med. And, my uncle is also a physical therapist and my aunt, his wife. So that definitely helped out as well. Um, during my stay at Angeles City, uh, I think I've had the best teachers. And in preparation to this, the only thing I wrote were, were actually their names because I just wanted to be very free flowing with this. Um, just very honest, but I had some of the best teachers. If I may, I'd like to say their names because I wanted to give back. Uh, So my professors, Pia Basilio, Glenn Asuncion, Alleluia Reyes, Dominic Adolfo, Marvi Velasquez, Dr. Carmel Cunana, Dr. Arnel Morte, and Dr. Arvi Vitente. All of these, all of these um, uh, instructors and professors have been extremely inspiring and I definitely wouldn't be where I am um, in terms of my knowledge and my position without them. They definitely picked me up when I was low, but every time they kept pushing me forward, pushing me forward, and I really love these teachers. Um, uh, Dr. R.V. Vitente um, specifically has been my mentor 
ever since I kind of graduated. Um, so Dr. Vitente, okay. So he, a lot of PTs know him now as a clinical professor, a geriatric certified specialist by APTA, um, a dementia expert. Uh, he has so many credentials, as you, as you know. His name is extremely long. But when I first saw, when I first met Dr. Vitente, he actually was an instructor to one of my classes. And from even at the start, man, this guy could teach amazing, amazing things. Um, he, he, he definitely needs to be on your show, Johan. He definitely needs to be on your show. And one thing about him too, that's really unique. He could sing. So I don't know if he could do a sample on your, on your podcast too. <laughs> Yeah, but, he's been a um, guest, and and I've met him once when um, in a CSM, and we along with other uh, Filipino physical therapists, and we did karaoke. Mm-hmm. He sing good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now too, he is um, some part of a geriatric. He's like the ge- geriatric, some part of a geriatric department of the APTA. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is amazing. I mean, Doctor Vitente is definitely leading a lot of physical therapy practices. Um, and again, I just wanted to say that about my teachers, whom I, whom I really love. Um, after that, uh, at Bampanga, I had some of the craziest, I feel like we had some of the hardest schooling in the Philippines. It's so different. Identification he, here in America, it's multiple choice, as you know, kind mm-hmm. of um, perhaps maybe fill in the blank, things like that. But in the Philippines, it is difficult. It's either you know it or you don't. And when we ask the teachers, like, what's the topic on? They always say anything under the sun, you know? <laughs> so it means everything. It mm-hmm. could have been a month ago or three years ago. So that that's really inspiring. Um, as soon as I graduated um, from Angeles University Foundation, I went back home. Well, home here. I have two homes. I feel like Philippines is also my home. I went back home here to Los Angeles. And I... Um, I did uh, my ninth month rotation at um, an orthopedic geriatric sniff at Burbank, mm-hmm. in which I was the um, a student directly to the director of rehab for nine months. Okay, and I think that is such an amazing opportunity. Um, Joe Chakalako has definitely mentored me. If, if you see my story. Um, Johan, it's all about my mentors. Mm-hmm. It's all about my mentors. Um, and that's something that I'll lead on kind of towards the end. But Joe has always helped me. He's always been a, a big brother to me, uh, guiding me and definitely teaching me so much about physical therapy, mm-hmm. the practice, as well as ad- administration too, because they don't teach how to be, because um, he's the director of rehab at times. He'll, he'll definitely guide me to um, some administrative roles that um, I'm able to do. Um, and then also another great thing, Johan, is my third mentor. I, I mainly have three, is the director of nursing. Her name mm-hmm. is Shirley uh, Friedman. She definitely teaches me a lot about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the building would uh, be, I, I don't think the our building currently would run without the director of rehab, Joe, director of nursing, Shirley, as well as the administrator, which her name is Alex. She's amazing as well. But those are my three um, 
those are my three mentors for sure. Uh, and then I got my CSCS, my Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. Um, and then um, currently right now, uh, because of Dr. Vitente, I got inspired by him. I'm actually scheduled to take the geriatric certified specialization next year in February. And after that, the orthopedic one. Nice. So hopefully if all things goes through, I'm triple specialized. So <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, and that's where I am now. Mm-hmm. So um, you've mentioned a lot about like mentors and, and how they, they shaped and, and mold your, your practice. So what, are the things that you know um do you, you see in your mentors collectively that you're that what inspired you or what you want to uh take in and absorb and and you know carry carry with you in your practice i think humbly uh johan i think that's one thing that i'm really great at Mm-hmm. I like to, if you, you know, if you know Pokemon, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like the mime. So I try to emulate and duplicate mm-hmm. the things that I like about each mentor. Uh-huh. So I, de- I definitely observe. Mm-hmm. I want where Dr. Vitente is. I think that's where I want to be positionally as well as educationally. Mm-hmm. Um, he teaches in the university. Mm-hmm. I might not want to, but I want to have his knowledge mm-hmm. with Joe, my director of rehab, uh, our, he, he's the glue to our rehab team. And um, one thing that's unique about SNF, it's very team-based. Mm-hmm. Sure. We talk, and I could definitely go over that later, but it, we, go, we talk to um, nurses, we talk to respiratory ter- therapists, occupational mm-hmm. speech. We also talk to doctors. And then a super unique thing about our SNF mm-hmm. is it's actually one of the biggest. So I think it's about 188 bed capacity. Oh wow! Yeah, That's and the yeah, and the total rehab team is about 24, and there's like about yeah, it's huge. It's like 23 therapists, so we're all constantly speaking to each other. We're all constantly communicating to the betterment of the patient. But um, and further, uh, so that's what I would incorporate. Incorporate Joe. Jo- mm-hmm. Joe has a certain maturity that I'd like to duplicate. A certain um, he, he's very good at accepting. He's very good at leadership as well. Surely, too, I'd like to emulate her leadership. Mm-hmm. Her leadership as well as her loyalty. Her, um, she really cares for patients. All three of these mentors do. They all care about patients and they want to do what's best. Right. But uh, again, I I just pick and choose, and I try to emulate it as best as mm-hmm. I can. Right, it's hard uh, to be a uh, director of rehab in a skilled nursing facility because you, I mean, when I worked there, uh, I was looking at our our DOR, and he has a lot of admin stuff, patient stuff, and of course the family relative side as well to interact with him. Like, I we need a lot of patients in here, and and. Of course, uh, leadership, as you mentioned, it's so it's hard. I won't be able to do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I look up to the DORs, especially like. So we're talking about skilled nursing facility. Let's yeah, let's dive into the topic. So before you know uh, other things, what how would you describe a skilled nursing facility? What is a skilled nursing facility for those who are not familiar on, on what it okay. is? Okay. 
the best way to differentiate it is mm-hmm. to see the difference between a skilled nursing facility as well as a nursing facility. Mm-hmm. So at a nursing facility, it's mainly nurses and the patients, mm-hmm. whereas skilled nursing facility, it's more of a rehab um, rehab uh, institution or facility. Mm-hmm. And um, there's rehab in it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's skilled. If there is no rehab in it, it wouldn't be considered a skilled nursing facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the main thing is in a skilled nursing facilities, things will not happen if nursing's not there. Mm-hmm. Things will not happen if rehab's not there. Mm-hmm. Things will not happen if respiratory therapists aren't there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a combined factor of all of these disciplines as well as departments, activities personnel have a huge portion because they... Um, uh, if a patient, we, we send patients to them if they're at high risk for falls. Mm-hmm. So again, this is us. If you are a team based person and you kind of like more acute things or more subacute mm-hmm. uh, factors of physical therapy, sniff is definitely the place for you. Mm-hmm. These uh, any the patients that you have are uh, patients coming from the hospital, right? That is absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, when they're more um, stable. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, can you describe to us like what a typical day of a of, of physical therapist uh, is in, in, a, in a skilled nursing facility? Okay. What I love about skilled nursing facility is that it you just kind of clock in your eight hours. Uh-huh. So I could come in as early as about seven. Mm-hmm. And then I could come in as late as uh, maybe 11 or lunchtime if I wanted to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so That's I clock nice. in eight hours. Yeah, so uh-huh. it's very flexible. So as soon as I go in, I put obviously my stuff down. Um, I look at my schedule. I print it out. I see who is scheduled for treatment and the co-treatments. Mm-hmm. I check who the OTs are because, again, skilled nursing facility is based on teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, as well as the OT, need each other's discipline in mm-hmm. order to perhaps sit a patient or do something functional where if we separated, perhaps the only thing we could have done might have been range of motion, mm-hmm. which isn't the best for the patient. Right. Um, and then after that, I would definitely talk to um, uh, each. So our total, our total team is about 24, 22. And then we have sub teams. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I love the team that I'm part of. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis and Taylor are amazing PTAs. I requested them for that very reason, uh, cause they're amazing. And then, uh, we always have the best communication. We, we talk about a patient and the thing I love about sniffs is that these are patients that again, might have fractures or, um, orthopedic conditions where maybe the hospital didn't catch mm-hmm. or perhaps on the way to subacute something might have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the knowledge of PT comes into play. Um, I think, again, there have been instances where we go in, we suspect a dislocation of the shoulder, maybe anterior dislocation, mm-hmm. and then we request an x-ray. And um, once it's done, perhaps it does show that uh, anterior dislocation. So that that's one thing I love about PT. And a lot of times in our facility, a lot of times... PTs will be called into, hey, um, can you check this patient to see if you suspect that they have any broken bones? So maybe we could refer to ortho, mm-hmm. refer to maybe a 
um, radiologic procedure or anything like that. And then the main day, again, is just treating the patients, going back and doing daily documentation. Each treatment there is definitely much more than your outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, I usually see maybe about six to eight patients a day. Mm-hmm. And each patient might be about 45 to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then the remainder of the time I'm working with nursing, I'm working with maybe activities, personnel, um, I'm talking to family members. It's definitely a holistic approach. Right. Overall care. I like what, what, when you said that uh, you were able to catch things that other, uh, you know, the other medical professionals didn't observe. And I think that's, you know, that's very important for us as physical therapists to be able to notice since we're the ones regularly seeing them. Um, did anything change uh, with how you uh, see patients in terms of uh, probably like management or, or time when the change, when, when PDPM came? So once PDP, PDPM arrived, uh-huh. actually COVID hit, right? Right. Yeah. So I think, I think it was PDPM and then two months yeah. and then COVID. COVID, yes. Uh, Something like September that. would be the September, October, PDPM, then COVID around December, January. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. uh, one thing with PDPM that has changed a little bit is some of our treatments times have changed. Mm -hmm. Perhaps a patient was an hour and a half uh, and their insurance currently is approving maybe an hour of treatment. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. a little bit less, but not extremely drastic. Mm -hmm. So far, those are the only changes we've seen. Okay. And yeah, so, um, you know, since the PDPM is patient driven, mm-hmm. um, we just hope for, for the best with it. Uh, right. We, I think we would have had more information if COVID didn't hit, but because of COVID, um, we couldn't plan. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a COVID unit treating patients. We had, so I was in the COVID unit, I think like wow. three, four times. Yeah, wow. three to four times. And as you know, SNFs were the worst hit by COVID. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, you know, I think I'll always take in is the therapist that I came with during COVID, um, the whole team, actually, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're, we're very brave to face COVID. Because remember, this was a time when, uh, in, especially in the beginning, um, it didn't look good for a lot of people, right? right. And we didn't know what's happening or what's going to happen in terms of our practice and, and admissions, Oh, absolutely. Everything went down. Um, mm. People of all ages were being affected. So mm. it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about uh, working in uh, in the SNF is more team-based. So um, aside from like co-treatment, what other things uh, would you say is team, team-driven in, in, a ski, uh, in a SNF practice? Okay. So what we would do uh, at times, I have great examples. Um, Let's say uh, we are uh, having a orthopedic knee replacement, right? Lower extremity, sitting at edge of bed. Mm-hmm. Hey, ma'am, do you want to drink some water? Mm-hmm. And then once they drink water, we notice that um, they start to uh, choke on it, wow. right? Okay. And then what we would do at that time is if we notice that it's consistent, mm-hmm. we would stop the fluids, Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would actually call and refer back to speech therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's, that, that's uh, an amazing thing that everything is close, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. everything is kind of in more or less in one facility in terms of departments mm -hmm. where, you know, you grab the phone, Hey, us, um, speech therapist, can you please, whenever you have time, can you see this patient? This patient's mm -hmm. choking on thin liquids. Um, mm -hmm. They would be the experts. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I love about skilled nursing facilities, at least with my experience, mm -hmm. is they we will all refer mm -hmm. to the expert of that field. Okay. Anything kind of more so physical, broken bones, it'll definitely mm -hmm. be PT. Anything more on again, ADL management, you know, mm -hmm. perhaps patient needs a commode. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk to the OTs because they know best. Mm -hmm. And and again, choking, any hazards, any, um, any problems with speech for um, pronunciation or anything like that. Well, we have a speech therapy on board, so we could go to them. And obviously nursing for, um, for wounds, um, for a lot of other medical uh, difficulties. Mm -hmm. In in your practice, because uh, some therapists would have this notion that, I mean, in, in, in any practice um, here in the U.S., they would say, oh, physical therapist, legs, waist down, legs, physical therapist, occupational therapist, waist up to the neck, hands, OT, neck up, speech. <laughs> so how's yeah. your practice in, in your in, in your in your facility? It's similar. It's similar, similar. Mm -hmm. similar. And the reason why we split it up that way is based on documentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, be because if um, obviously OT is skilled and taught the entire body, same with PT. Mm -hmm. um, we just have different uh, focuses mm -hmm. and different um, lines of expertise. But once, once we're joined again, it's that holistic mm -hmm. approach, mm -hmm. but um, it is that. So if, I am a, if there is a problem with the upper extremity that I know, because mm -hmm. I'm a PT, mm -hmm. I would definitely speak to the OT in charge mm -hmm. and we would communicate mm -hmm. and we would talk about it and then we would re reach a conclusion. So it's not, at least in our facility, it's definitely, we're, we're at a point where every, every um, decision as well as, um, things to be put under consideration are very acknowledged and respected. Right. Um, nice. If, if myself, if I think there is something going on with the right upper extremity and maybe the OT doesn't, we'll mm -hmm. talk about it. Or maybe if the OT thinks there's a problem with the hip and I don't, mm -hmm. we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll figure out a, a consensus there and we'll do what's best for the patient, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that also like depends on what the patient's want, wants and goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, nice. and their prior level function. It's all about their prior level function. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, we've you've touched on what you love about working in a skilled nursing facility. You started with that one thing is that you refer to you know to experts, whatever you find out uh, about the patient. So, what else do you love about working in in, in a sniff? Um, one thing that I love, Johan, is again, I, I, I love the, I, my, again, the communication, the mm -hmm. team base, mm -hmm. and I guess the respect, again, everything is just kind of what I've acknowledged too, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, I definitely love that. And one thing that I, uh, so what I've always wanted growing up is I wanted to be in a profession, a medical profession, mm -hmm. um, where... Um, 
I wanted to study so hard, where just mentally in my head, I'm going to study so hard where this patient will, will only get better with like my knowledge. That's what I think, mm -hmm. right? So I think that is kind of a very good um, understanding uh, when you're in school. Hey, hey, even though it's not true, even though it's not true, hey, I, I'm, I'm very good in my craft to where this patient will only get to, uh, will only be better with my treatments, but I have to continue. What if, you know, what if they have a diagnosis that I'm not too familiar with? I have to keep pushing. I have to keep continuing. And the important thing too is with that mindset, you have to be humble. Mm -hmm. Of course, you have to be very humble. So communication, being humble, respect among, among peers and referring to, you know, other experts. Um, what are the challenges now that you have encountered in your practice? You said uh, you've been in the skilled nursing facilities for, for four years already. You've worked there for mm -hmm. four years. So what are the mm -hmm. challenges that you've encountered um, working in a team, working in a, in a SNF, probably problematic? cases or, or patients well one definitely is pdpm right and the mm -hmm. reason why i say that is because i don't know what's going to happen just yet okay <laughs> right um so far the main thing that has occurred is just uh, some patients have decreased on time mm -hmm. that's the main thing <laughs> um what else problems to be honest johan i love where i work mm -hmm. um i'm trying to think of issues right now mm-hmm Um, I think one thing too is perhaps sometimes because of insurance, uh -huh. perhaps the patients at, at times go home earlier than what is expected, um, or they go home earlier, um, maybe despite a recommendation of yours that you would like to continue for maybe a week, mm -hmm. um, professionally. But again, that that's in all settings, mm -hmm. right? That's in all settings because we have to deal with insurance, right? But that that's mainly that's definitely mainly at Johan. Mm -hmm. I would say that, yeah, because the place where I work with is great. Um, perhaps another thing, mm -hmm. another downfall, mm -hmm. is because you work are working with so many people. For sure, you won't get along with everybody, right? <laughs> But that's okay. You uh -huh. don't. You really don't need to get along with everybody. It's preferable. But the main thing is you're professional in what you do and you treat, you do your job, which mm -hmm. is you try to make the patients better. That's mm -hmm. the number one thing. That's what it ends up with. Um, but again, our building has more than, I think, 300 employees, I think. So, wow. of course, there might be a time when, yes, huge. And um, two floors, uh, two different units. Um, and it, you know, of course, there might be maybe a CNA or a, charge nurse or even an OT or PT mm -hmm. that you don't get along with, but just because of the constant commu communication that you, you are required to have for mm -hmm. the benefit of the patient, you are required to communicate with them because if you don't, that patient will be negatively affected. Right. I understand that. Yeah. I wanted to ask about where, um, where do you, treat your patients now do you do you bring them to a the, the down to the facility or do you treat them in their rooms because okay, when covid so came we we no you know no gathering was supposed to happen so when covid came we have to treat them in their rooms 
or or the hallway or something. So right now at this at this point, do you bring them now to 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 the rehab clinic or area? Uh, the patients that are in consider the green zone, uh -huh. which are um, uh, uh, which uh, our building follow is very strict. Uh -huh. We follow CDC guidelines as well as the Department of Health guidelines as well. So we have a green unit, yellow unit, oh, wow. and yeah. So if it's a yellow unit, mm -hmm. um, the patients do not leave the yellow zone. Okay. If it is the green unit, we could actually bring them downstairs. And our gym is quite large. Our gym is I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's one of the biggest for sure for SNFs. Sometimes in SNFs, you treat in hallways or you treat in a very small room. Our gym is very large. It's very large. Mm -hmm. um, so you can do yes, distancing? But, yes, we could definitely <laughs> do distancing. We, we still follow the six uh, feet kind of distance. Uh, mm -hmm. all, all of the patients must wear masks as well mm -hmm. as the therapists. We wear shields as well. Um, but it's definitely much better than COVID because in COVID, fully suited up, I mean, everything. We're treating these patients and our focus is sitting at edge of bed because The main thing we were preventing at that time was pneumonia. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and another thing too, one thing that we, we had difficulty with, um, but we were very educated in our sniff was mm -hmm. in our precautions. We added that the RPE or the rate of perceived exertion must be low. It must be low to treat COVID patients because once you imagine if you try to stand a patient that has COVID Mm -hmm. um, and they're using a lot of their energy to do that. Mm -hmm. They're just going to be weaker to fight the actual virus. That's really the priority. All right. Yeah. So, um, so again, to answer your question, it's a lot better. Uh, we, we treat the patients according to their um, designated zoning. Again, for mm -hmm. green, we bring mm -hmm. them down with masks mm -hmm. uh, and we social distance. It's much better. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I wasn't when I was in in the sniff. I wasn't able to because uh, I left uh, to to move in a different um, work. But I didn't encounter any um, post COVID or COVID patients that they transferred to sniff. So how was it um, treating uh, COVID patients in the sniff? Are they already uh, were they? I want to. I don't want to say. Um, are they? COVID free by that time or were are do they still have an like active infection or they can't leave, you know, can they leave the hospital being stable but still COVID positive? How did that go? Yes. Yeah, so what occurred at that time? Uh, so I was in red zone, uh -huh. uh, which was the COVID section. Um, the hospitals would transfer them to us uh, eat after a couple of days or I uh -huh. think 10 days or maybe two weeks. I'm not sure where they're more stable. Okay. Um, so at that time, uh, I'm not too sure about that current uh -huh. COVID result once they hit, once they came into our unit, mm -hmm. but mentally we treated them as if they were COVID positive, okay. which was the best way to treat them because we were extremely safe. We gowned up. Mm -hmm. We had everything on. We had goggles and a face shield. I mean, we 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 definitely did the best because the main thing, Johan, at that time mm -hmm. is, and this is, I have very, very good memories of this because 
there are certain situations where, of course, COVID attacks mainly the lungs and respiration and mm-hmm. the pulmonary system. Mm-hmm. But once we we were all working a team, sometimes the PT, the OT, and speech, all of us were in ro- one room just to sit a patient up, trying to feed them so they had energy to fight the actual virus, uh, eat so they could actually take the medication. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously, we would focus on breathing techniques mm-hmm. in order to facilitate uh, inspiration, expiration, as well as uh, expelling fluids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was definitely in a stage where a lot of the treatments that we did prevented further pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it really makes a difference in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so with, with COVID, like, starting with our you know coming over and we don't know anything about it so what what are the things or what made you more prepared to handle that in in your facility honestly Uh um i don't think any of us were prepared (laughs) uh, for covid right Uh, obviously i did my research i always try to be in what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, as a PT, I mm-hmm. think in school, we're taught to be leaders. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to volunteer for this position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. And I think it's just because of my PT background where we're taught, again, we have to help facilitate the rehab team at times lead or act when we're called upon. Right. Um, definitely and I think that uh, I was definitely not prepared but you know these patients really needed it mm-hmm. you know um, and again we when we were in there we're not exercising with them mm-hmm. uh, in this in 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 kind of the realm of physical therapy and what I mean by that is we're not marching we're not doing single leg lunges we're not doing mm-hmm. modified squats because it's again geriatric uh, patients we mm-hmm. are sitting at edge of bed both leaning forward, uh, gait training to uh, appropriate uh, mm-hmm. distances, doing a lot of functional things mm-hmm. that um, continue, that helps facilitate prevention of a lot of COVID signs and symptoms and progression. Right. Um, yeah, so th- that that was a huge part, huge part, mm-hmm. something huge that I learned that I was that we weren't really trained for absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you have to be called in. You have to be wow. called in. So like like everyone in the healthcare is like, all right, let's face this, let's try our best. <laughs> yeah, because we're in healthcare, you know, mm-hmm. it's what we signed up for, and right. Um, I, I think I think honestly, it's at at that time, I think the whole world, mm-hmm. I think some people in healthcare, that's when they kind of learned that hey, maybe healthcare isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But the people that were there, I think that's when it was cemented in them that mm-hmm. hey, I'm supposed to be here. Right. That's how it was for me. That's how I felt. Yeah. When I was there, I was what what you know at least made me more prepared, so to speak, is our our DOR, our our DON would, you know, uh brief us uh, frequently about what's gonna what what we're gonna be expecting, what's gonna be the process, are we gonna be accepting um, you know post-COVID patients, what are we going to do? Who's going to treat them? So it kind of, you know, gave me a little bit of comfort that, you know, we are really like planning to what's coming. So 
so I did volunteer as well to be one of the like, mm-hmm. physical therapists in that area, but you know I wasn't able to you know reach that point to actually um, handle post COVID patient. Um, in in SNF, we since you mentioned that we do encounter like a lot of people, we we interact with nurses, with CNAs, with their relatives, mm-hmm. and other staff there. You know, were you did you have an experience that you went beyond your, um, I mean, responsibilities or scope in in your practice? Because when I was in SNF, I was I had an experience of I I, I was the one to to take the patient to the restroom, do you know um, their aftercare after they do number two, um, you know because. Uh, having them like leaving them with the CNAs sometimes it would take longer you know because the CNAs are, are busy and I had other patients so sometimes I would be forced you know but some you know I, I it's it's okay for me since that's also my time um, I could practice you know bathroom transfers and stuff like that but in your experience have you had that kind of you know situations that you went beyond uh, or did something out of your scope just to help a patient? I, absolutely. Your situation with bathroom hygiene, obviously that's not PT. Mm-hmm. That's more CNA and it can be OT in terms mm-hmm. of ADL simulation. Right. But yes, that definitely has occurred. And uh, first, again, we're not trained to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, specifically with me, I am not shy about it. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make sure I do it correctly because mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt the patient. I don't want to, you know, give them um, a rash or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I learned was I really looked at two departments, which mm-hmm. was, again, CNAs, mm-hmm. which they taught me how to put on diapers, how, how to perform hygienic duties for, um, for patients, mm-hmm. as well as the OTs. Mm-hmm. Right. The OTs also taught me that, you know, right. um, that's. I think that's one of the main things that were out of the scope of practice. I'm trying to remember them, but again, it's so team-based where, like you said, sometimes mm-hmm. for the benefit of the patient, you have to do um, maybe another duty that mm-hmm. you didn't specifically train for, but um, you, again, you can learn, right. you can learn like again, hygiene, things like that. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. Mm-hmm. Being in the sniff and, and and having that experiences and stuff like that, um, what are the the things you have learned that you know you carry and you want to pass along to other therapists and you know other colleagues who are thinking about going to the sniff practice or pondering upon you know if sniff is for me? I would definitely say that. Sniff is definitely for a person that demonstrates that wants to demonstrate some form of leadership. Um, because the whole team, just by maybe somebody talking to you about a patient, they're already demonstrating leadership, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to the PT, going to the OT, going to the PTA coda, and figuring things out. Um, but I think more or less, I think you could determine if you like sniff or if sniff is for you if you like more sub-acute differential diagnosis because that's what i love mm-hmm. 
I love, uh, so I, I teach students, right? So I have two DPT students. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times I have um, PTA students as well, but in regards to DPT students, um, uh, soon to be Dr. Kashishi and Dr. Um, Yagobi, these are amazing students. And I love just going to a patient's room and educating them that perhaps this patient has, you know, liver cirrhosis. We see liver cirrhosis. Mm-hmm. And so um, we communicate. And since I'm the clinical instructor, I'd like them to demonstrate like asterixis, you know, signs of um, liver flapping. Um, I want them to observe ascites, you know, the increased abdomen size. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these things are subacute, but you really won't focus on at outpatient because mm-hmm. again, in outpatient or private practice, your focus is mainly treating the condition, right? Treating, right. treating CTS, treating rotator cuff, but at, at a sniff, there are so many issues with patients uh, where they could come with a rotator cuff, but they have cancer of the stomach. You know, um, they have frozen shoulder. They have frozen shoulder, but then you'll notice when you're testing them or when you're performing um, strengthening, you might notice that the patient's starting to demonstrate signs of maybe thoracic outlet syndrome, and that's when we do our special test. A lot of people think that in sniffs we don't do special tests. No, we do. We do. We absolutely do. We definitely don't do as much as home outpatient, but we definitely do. And we do it in, again, things that are more seen as acute TOS, um, problems with, uh, problems with different nerves, CTS, carpal tunnel. Um, so yes, uh, if you like differential diagnosis, it's definitely for you because I'll give you an example. So there's a patient that demonstrated, um, a lot of uh, thinner and hyperthenar atrophy of the hand, right? So what I did is again, okay, so we noted that I have the experience and the knowledge that I know it can definitely, it's pointing to a more neurologic condition. So I talked to the nurse, hey, I recommend that this, this, that this patient be seen or have a consultation for the neurologist. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, and it's one of APTA's goals actually, is for their PTs to definitely be in a, in a bigger referral role, Mm -hmm. right. To refer, 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 refer because of primary practice. Mm -hmm. So we definitely demonstrate that at our SNF. Mm -hmm. Nice. And while you were uh, sharing your uh, experience, it, it, you know, I realized that there are like differences, you know, with sniff. It's not like if you work in a sniff, it's the same for every for everyone. Because when I worked in a sniff, I didn't get that much of an ortho um, uh, cases. It would be mostly, as I've mentioned before, uh, in, the, in our conversation, conversation earlier, it's usually like the conditioning, um, some, uh, uh, a lot of uh, hip replacements, knee replacements, so there's not much of special tests that I did or, you know, differential. But yes, I do agree that there are, you know, sometimes you can, you would catch things that are not in the referral that this, this is something strange. So I, I should look, 
look into it. So you have, I agree that you have to be like, be really mindful and, and, you know, knowing all of those, all of your, you know, differential diagnosis and, and really looking into the, the whole patient, not just what you were, ref- that patient was referred to. That's nice. Uh, not, it's not just like, in, it's not only in, in home health or in private practice that you do that, but also in a skilled nursing facility. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our stiff is totally unique. I think mm-hmm. uh, like sometimes we'll get cases where the patient had a fall and has six fractures on one side. And this is, I think, I think again, another addition to one of the reasons why you should join it, if you think you should like a sniff, uh-huh. is when you like problem solving. Mm. You know, because with me, once I knew that the, this patient had so many fractures on the right side, Mm-hmm. My thinking was, how do I get this patient better? What's the weight bearing? Mm-hmm. How do I stand this patient up with the weight bearing? How do I go to point A to B, point A mm-hmm. to C, and eventually mm-hmm. point A to home safely, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so yes, I think, again, uh, as we've mentioned before, every SNF's different, every home health, every hospital's different. It's I, I would recommend PTs that are watching this to definitely go to the Focus mm-hmm. on the population first. Mm-hmm. If you want to become a sports specialist, find the younger population. And then it's either university, it's professional team, as we might talk about later, uh-huh. uh, and so forth and so on. But if you like the geriatric population, hospital sniff, and then find the right one for you. Mm-hmm. Find, look into the cases there. Look right. into the team there. Because mm-hmm. our sniff, I've gone to different sniffs and I always wanted to come back oh, because okay. yeah. Cause where I'm working, the, the, the DON is highly skilled. It's mm-hmm. highly skilled. Our DOR is highly skilled. Mm-hmm. Our team is highly skilled and we just keep improving. We keep mm-hmm. improving. If I have knowledge, I'll definitely share it. If somebody else has knowledge that I don't know, mm-hmm. I would definitely learn it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good advice for those who are thinking about probably getting into the sniff practice. Um, so I have uh, three questions that um, that's not that 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 I didn't submit give to you surprise questions. So because I wanted to you know get your uh, impromptu your answer, honest. yeah, honest answers with this. All right. So this part I usually have uh, last bites, but this. This time I'm I'm gonna call it food for thought. Okay. So this the first two is uh is a fill in the blank question. All right. So first okay, one. Okay, is, let me focus. Let me okay. focus. Okay, <laughs> I right. love this. So the first one is um success is dot dot dot. The the words that come to me is success is what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Because success could be um, just going to work and going back home. Mm-hmm. Other people, success is going to work, making a difference, going back home. You know, some people, success is just going to work, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so to me, definitely, success is what you make it. And hopefully later, I'll go into some more tips that I definitely want to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. with the mentors absolutely 
but happiness or success is what you want it to be. Perfect. Success is what you make it to be. All right. Second question, another fill in the blank um, item. So in order to elevate our profession, we, we talked about this earlier. So in order to elevate our profession and ourselves as a professional, uh, we should dot, dot, dot. lift each other up. Okay. This is my whole focus. I would not be in the position I am or I would not have the knowledge I am if it weren't for my professors weren't for the DOR, DON, lifting me up into and guiding me and mentoring me. Um, I think I might share it now rather than sure. later just because mm-hmm. it fits in. Right. But what I suggest every PT to do, and this works with everybody, but find somebody that you'd like to emulate that is in a position where you want to be. Dr. Vitete is, in my head, pushing me right always pushing always pushing me and that's something that i want to have he's excelling and i'm excelling as well i want to be where he is but then i don't want to stop i i don't want to stop i just want to keep going i know he's going to keep going Mm -hmm. but i he's lifting the physical therapy practice to where because before people didn't really know about pt right Mm. um some other people thought that it wasn't as skilled as it is right Mm. but now more so especially with uh the introduction of professional sports and a lot of people saying hey the secret weapon a lot of times is physical therapy right Mm. i know kobe said that about dr soto Mm. um and again just finding these people so in regards to Dr. Soto, again, if I could share that story. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited so, to hear that too again. <laughs> okay. So, so I definitely want people to not be shy to look for mentors. And maybe maybe I could help somebody that's, that's watching this. You know, I'll definitely try to leave some type of contact information towards the end. Or maybe with you, Johan, that we could kind of figure things out. But um, uh, at, there was a time... I, I've been working at Arsnet for four years. And I was thinking about two years ago, hey, I want to maybe become a, uh, a physical therapist because no, a physical therapist professionalized in sports. Mm-hmm. No matter what I wanted, what field I want to be in, mm-hmm. I always wanted to be one of the greatest at it. Okay, mm-hmm. one of the best. That's what strives me. And when I thought uh, my certified strength and conditioning specialist is more focused on professional sports. It actually clears me to work with professional sports. It's it's a it's kind of a gold standard now. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the CSCS, you almost you'll have a lot of difficulty working with sports. Mm-hmm. But um, at that time, I said, "Hey, I want to. Uh, I might be. I might want to become a a, a specialist for sports. Who do I know, or I don't know personally, but who?" do I want to emulate? Mm -hmm. And the first person that came into mind was Dr. Soto. Okay. And for you viewers who don't know, Dr. Soto is Kobe Bryant's personal physical therapist. And she's also like the head of rehabilitation for the Lakers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, She's extremely renowned. Uh, She is extremely respected. Um, So I call her And, and how do I call her? How do I know her? Right. I don't know her. Okay, so uh, what I do is I find a way. 
I call the Lakers customer service. <laughs> and what I do is, hey, I'm a physical therapist. Could you refer me to the rehab department, which they do? It leads to Dr. Soto's um, voicemail. She's extremely busy. And I left my voicemail. Mm -hmm. I told her, please, I would, whatever it takes, I just want to learn from the best, which is you. I want to emulate you because at that time I, I was thinking about going to sports. Mm -hmm. um, please let me know if I could do anything. Again, I'll work at the sniff that I love. And then afterwards, go to you, get two hours of sleep. It's okay. I just want to learn from the best. Um, and then I didn't expect any call back, but when I was at my sniff, I got a call back and it was, she picks up, uh, hi, Michael, this is Dr. Soto. I'm fan shocked right now. I'm talking to <laughs> doc. I'm talking to Kobe Bryant's physical therapist and mind <laughs> you, Kobe Bryant, I think is quoted saying that Dr. Soto is his secret weapon. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we I think we'll eventually understand the huge role that PT has in all departments in all like uh, patient populations mm -hmm. um, especially with prevention uh, without PTs I think there would be there would for sure be so many more injuries mm -hmm. um, but anyways uh, she she guides me okay Dr. Soto says Michael if you want to work in a professional sports it's great that you have your CSCS but you have to move forward. Go ahead, find a university or uh, find a university or a college that uh, would let would um, hire you to manage their sports team, and then we'll talk, right? And then we'll talk, and then we'll keep going on from there. But the fact that Dr. Soto returned my call hey. is amazing. And I called her again. Okay. I called her again, <laughs> maybe uh, six months later, just kind of figuring things out. And then once I really thought about it, I kind of grown into myself mm -hmm. in um, I've grown into myself at our sniff. I realized that professional sports might not be for me. Mm -hmm. um, I love treating sports, but what I love more is identifying orthopedic conditions. I like mm -hmm. identifying, Hey, this patient might have TOS. Again, that's not an orthopedic condition, but again, maybe this patient has a dislocation, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe this patient has uh, a compression of like the L2 vertebrae because hip flexion is affected, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but guys, please, if you, learn, if you learn or are inspired by anything in what Johan and I speak about during this conversation is please, please find a mentor and don't be shy. Sometimes your mentors or who you want to be a mentor will be so respected that you're actually reaching out that they actually might teach you more. Mm -hmm. Like, um, again, Dr. Soto, she did not have to call me. She did not have to call me back twice. She did not have to call me back twice. But the fact that we talked, I definitely wanted to level up my game and just uh, continue more, continue to be better. Right. That is a good, it's a good story. I like that story. <laughs> I like that story because it shows that, like, if you have a, a dream or a, a goal in mind and you don't know how to get there, try reaching out to people who are already there, uh, and and leave voicemail, email, whatever. And and the you know the worst thing that could happen is they don't return back, right? And if they uh, reply, leave you a voicemail, and then that's something already. You gained uh, 
a mentor or uh, at least an advice from them, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, keep going, keep mm-hmm. pushing. Again, let these people know know how how much you want to learn from them because at a time they needed help too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Dr. Soto, no matter how high she is, I'm sure somebody mentored her to be in her position. Dr. Vitante, who is so high already, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody helped him. Somebody helped him. So we just need to continue that process. And because they were helped, um, I, they are more prone to helping. Because again, if, if you see the list of all of the professors that helped me, and that's the only thing I wrote, I am so, that's why I take students. I take students in because I know the impact that a clinical instructor could make. Mm-hmm. because they've all impacted me. Again, I would not be here without them. Um, I would not want to continue maybe being further specialized, keep going with my specialist, uh, specialization if it wasn't for um, uh, Dr. Vitente, who keeps telling me, hey, Michael, um, you have potential, just ha- let's raise up the profession. And I think, we're, I think we could definitely do that collectively. We, we, we all must. Great, great. There's, there's a lot of uh, story and uh, advice for that question. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's good. It's good. A lot of people yeah. will be inspired by that. Try to reach out to people that you want to emulate and, and have as a role model. Look at their career, how they started and where they are now. So great. So my, my third question for this um, segment is, what are the, the three ingredients that are essential and true? You find true in your life. It can be a value, a trait, a principle, a principle, a belief that you carry with you uh, each and every day of your life. So three things that make up Michael. Okay. So for me, um, I'll just say the, the first three things that come into mind. Um, one is honesty. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, I'm honest to what I know, mm-hmm. but I'm also honest to what I don't know. And I try to pursue that. I definitely try to pursue that. Two, I'm, I'm very loyal. Okay, I'm very loyal to my team. I'm loyal to my mentors, including my DOR, um, the DON. Very loyal to her as well. Um, let's see the third thing. The third thing, team player. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm absolutely a team player. I think it's something that I value, I value greatly. Uh, sometimes um, in your, again, in that sub team, like I mentioned, I, I, I work with great, two great PTAs, which is Luis and Taylor. A lot of times they'll know things that about the patients that I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that communication where I'll ask them, what is your professional opinion on it? I trust your professional judgment and we move forward. So that would be my third one is team, uh, a team player. Team player. All right. So honesty, uh, loyalty, and then being a team player. Mm-hmm. I like what you said about uh, being honest with what you know and also with what you don't know. There's no, and there's no shame, you know, not uh, about, you know, not lacking some things, uh, you know, because you can find out what what about the things that you don't know. You can research. There's shame if you don't, you know, you don't, if you stop learning, you know, if you stop trying to be curious about things. So like, 
All right. So thank you for our conversation this uh, evening with a lot of your, your advice and, and nuggets of wisdom and your experience in, in skilled nursing facility as a physical therapist. Uh, so as a takeaway, um, what do you want our, our audience uh, to take away, to take with them in their practice, in their, in their life, and af- uh, from this conversation? Some words would, of wisdom. I, I would definitely tell the people listening to follow you, your path that you know is right. Uh, uh, wishful thinking, I think a lot of the times with, uh, with individuals, we know if we're on the right path or not. And if we're saying we're on, we might know that we're on the wrong path, but we're saying, hey, this is going to lead somewhere. It's right. But we're lying to ourselves. I think, honestly, find your right path. Find the people who are in line with you and and speak to them and learn to them and help. And, and uh, again, find your mentors. And when they, once, that, once they lead you forward into that line, make sure you look, look back and reach out to help that next person in line and just continue that, that cycle. So we're continuously lifting each other up and not bringing each other down. We're all lifting each other up. I love that. I love that. <laughs> That's superb. All right. So again, thank you for your time and thank you for sharing again, your experience and your, uh, uh, expertise with this with the sniff practice and all those experiences and inspiring stories especially with uh reaching out with your uh, dr soto and and all your other things that 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 you said in the conversation again thank you for your time and thank you for being in the show johan thank you so much for inviting me as a guest speaker again i am truly humbled and honored to be here um, uh, again i was very excited um Hopefully, again, we'll definitely communicate further. But thank you so much. You are doing an amazing thing. Um, the PT world is proud of you, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm not sure, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the kind words. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for listening to PT Meal Podcast. If you like the show and want to support it, please follow the podcast's social media accounts in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Share the episodes you're listening to or episodes you love to listen to so that the message can reach more people. Also, if you have anything to share with everyone about the profession or your practice, do contact me and we can work something out. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, questions about the show or the guests uh, of the show, you can reach me through all the podcast's social media accounts or through the website www.ptmealpodcast.com or through email at ptmealpodcast at gmail.com Alright, looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Just a reminder, folks, the podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only. The show strives to keep all information true and correct, but humans sometimes make mistakes. Factual errors may be present, so we encourage the listeners to do their own research on the featured topics as well. Now, let's go back to the show.